love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. And welcome back to the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. As I said in the opening, bringing back one of our returning champions from the start of the NFL season, Ben Fisher, covers the NFL and NFL business for Sports Business Journal. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, good to have you back here. Hard to believe we last connected at the start of September, and here we are now working our way towards gray mid-January. Um, yeah. <laughs> and back to our five-day work weeks. Um, so I want to start with this. The NFL last year accounted for 75 of the 100 most-watched shows on TV. This year, 82 of the 100 most watched shows on TV uh, in an era in which everything is bleeding viewers in live TV. The NFL continues to be more dominant than ever. What do you make of this? Well, we can talk about the NFL for sure, but I think maybe the big untold story of that number is that that number increased in Olympics here. Wow. Traditional sports media thinking would be that in the Olympic year, the NFL share would go down because we love the Olympics so much. Well, maybe we love the Olympics, but we did apparently not love the Beijing Winter Olympics because I think only one night of the Winter Olympics made that top 100 list where traditionally half dozen Olympic nights would be on that list. So without the Olympics to kind of take that oxygen out out of the room, the NFL just kept going on its trajectory, which is more and more eating more and more of the world. And there really is not even a number three. I used to say there was no number two to the NFL and media. There's no number three to the NFL and media. Not even the Olympics used to be number two, I guess. And they're not even that anymore. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? I mean, because even sports, you know, all live sports rate better today than Oscars, Emmys, et cetera. But even NBA, MLB certainly have been losing viewers on a national level for years, but the NFL is not, I think this year, what was that Thanksgiving game? Giants, uh, Eagle, uh, Cowboys, yeah. Giants was the highest rated regular yeah. season game in like 30 years. That's insane. Right, right. Well, I mean, some of his things we've all known for a long time that once a week on Sundays or Thursdays works into our lives a lot better than the NBA schedule. Or sometimes they play three days and four three games in four days, and sometimes they're off for a week. And the hot, NHL is worse than anybody as far as like fan friendly scheduling goes. Um, but I think. It's, it's more than that. I think the NFL is particularly good at uh, packaging his product and selling his product. And strength turns into strength. And what I mean by that is that the regional cable networks that have shown us basketball, hockey, and baseball for the last generation are dying. There is no business model for the, the Massens. And the, I mean, yes, network maybe is an exception because of the Yankees. But still, those are awful businesses right now where the NFL because of its strength and its unique national appeal Mm. can stay on broadcast TV where even somebody like me who has an antenna 17 or 18 streaming services but no cable I can't watch the Yankees routine games right I can watch any NFL game I want and I think that's a situation where the NFL's strength allows it to become even stronger these days that's because a really interesting. We've all got the networks, you know. Yeah, and we and we have Amazon Prime probably more likely than some of us have, you know, cable for these regional networks. Right. And that's such an interesting point that I actually hadn't considered. Like I'm in Boston and Nesson for years. I mean, ever since John Henry bought the team has been a cash cow for the Red Sox, but now I'm wondering 
maybe it isn't. I mean, this past year, they introduced some Nesson streaming option, which seemed so overpriced, and I can't imagine anyone would ever pay for it. But that is a good point that, you know, baseball, basketball, they're really hooked to these regional sports networks that only a few years ago were giving out record-setting deals to teams too and teams of ownership of it. But as you said, they, those that's that's a tough business, and the NFL has avoided all of that. Right. The NFL simply doesn't have it. I mean, there's some interesting things going on. Some of the better run, bigger market RSNs are starting to get into ways to distribute the games differently. But the price, I mean, what is it, $30 a Insane. month? For the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you love the socks up there, but $30 a month for one game, team's game? I don't know. That just doesn't work out at all to me. And then that's even assuming, like, I think it was somebody did a study for Yes, that even people do describe themselves as big Yankees fans we're watching like 40% of the innings that yes broadcast in a given week during the season. Like even big fans can't possibly just turn on cable TV at seven o'clock every night, six days in a row. NFL is just more manageable and it's so strategically important to all the broadcast partners. I mean, what would CBS be without six hours every Sunday afternoon to tell us about those sitcoms that apparently a lot of people watch, but I don't know any of them. Have you ever seen the big bang theory? Unfortunately, a few times. I, I wish I had those half hours of my life back. But yeah, it's like, so So I wish this was my own joke, but it was like, well, Jim Nance is, uh, I'm Jim Nance and I'm Tony Romo. And before the game, here's a promo of the nation's biggest sitcom you've never heard of. Never and heard like, of. That is CBS. So, so CBS depends on the NFL so much to drive the rest of their business. And so does Fox and everybody else to a varying degrees that they put so much effort into it too. The NFL, again, that's a strength turning into strength that they're, they've got other people doing their work in terms of promoting the games. Plus it's just, it's in a really good place right now with the young quarterback stars, just the action on the field is good. You know, the old timers will complain about, we should put skirts on the quarterbacks or whatever, but Nobody turns in to see the backup quarterback. I think the league has improved. Look, there's always unfortunate injuries. But my strong anecdotal sense is that your stars are on the field more consistently than they maybe were 10 or 15 years ago. The NFL has got a handle on that. Um, And it's just, it's fun. I can't believe how much football I watch. Yeah. No, I mean, not, I mean, nothing is a bigger bummer than a big quarterback injury in a primetime game or a playoff game. And you're right. And that the NFL is doing all it can to protect the TV product. Um, And moving forward, they have the $2 billion deal with YouTube for Sunday tickets. So even the NFL now is moving right straight on to the digital and streaming age and getting the same money they were on network. Right, right. The uh, YouTube deal, you know, I've learned to never bet against the NFL getting their number ultimately. But, you know, DirecTV was not quiet about the fact that a million, a billion and a half dollars a year was a big money loser for them because, it just wasn't as good a product as it used to be. One of the things that's interesting about Sunday Ticket is as they've expanded other as they as they've expanded Thursday night football and the international games, those are all games that used to be in the Sunday ticket package and now they're not. You know, if you're I, I added it up, if you're a Cowboys fan living in New York, the Cowboys were available on regular TV 14 out of 17 games this year. So you don't right. even need Sunday ticket in the way you used to to see out of market games. Yeah. And so like direct TV was like we would love to be rid of this. And there was some skepticism. The NFL would find somebody to increase that number, but sure enough, Google and YouTube found a way to presumably it's a loss leader to drive subs to YouTube. And that's fine. That works for them. It works for the NFL for sure. So another way that even something where it seemed like the NFL's right. dominance of Thursday night was going to under maybe undermine it's out of market package with Sunday ticket. 
it all comes up roses for him. And that just all goes back to just how popular it is. Undoubtedly. And even the Red Zone channel, I mean, now you have the Scott Hansen Red Zone that you can purchase separately from this Sunday ticket. So, right. yeah, that is a huge part, too. Um, I want to move on to, and I saw you tweeting about this, I find the story very interesting. Um, this kind of back and forth between ESPN and the NFL on the timeline of Bills, Bengals, and whether the NFL ever intended to restart the game. I mean, I think it's pretty clear to me, Ben, especially after reading Don Van Nata's piece, but it was clear to me at the time, like Joe Buck obviously was not going to be spreading unfounded innuendo about one of the most sensitive moments in sports history multiple times without getting corrected if it was wrong. So I just don't understand why the NFL, it's not the biggest deal in the world, but from a PR standpoint, why can't they just say like, yes, when this first happened, we were following protocol and thought we could continue the game because that's what we've always done. And when it became apparent this was not a usual circumstance, we postponed. And they did. They ultimately wound up in the right place. So I just don't understand why they continue to lie. That's what they're doing, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I I thought ESPN, now it is a little slightly weird that ESPN was both publishing and the subject of that story. So right. I understand there's an internal conflict there that maybe you, you know, look at this through that. But I thought ESPN's position, Joe Buck's position in particular, was extremely credible on this. It sure looks to me like they didn't make that up. Uh, there's a million reasons to think they wouldn't. It seems indisputable to me that at some point between 8.55 p.m. and 10.01 p.m., the NFL intended that game to continue that night. I don't know exactly how long. I, I Clearly, they didn't. And I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is a this is a fog of war situation. It was effectively unprecedented in modern times, at least. And it wasn't the most important thing. The most important thing was saving Demar Hamlin's life, and they did that, and they should be credited for that. I mean, not they, but the system and the EMTs and everybody else. But when Troy Vincent doubled down on it and like starts crying and getting emotional during a press conference because he's so profoundly insulted by the implication. Well, that makes me a little less inclined to give everybody the benefit of the doubt because my ears perk up and say, well, now we've got a real story here. You know, had you not come back around to it and turned it into a question of morality, Mr. Vincent, right. I might've said, Hey, you know, crazy things happen in a crisis. Yeah. Let's let it go. But that just was this huge invitation to everybody. And I, I sort of, danced into it a little bit in my newsletter last Thursday, but Don Van Nata has got sources. I don't know. has got sources. Almost nobody else has. So he was able to get to the crux of it and nothing in there surprised me at all. Like I said, you can see with your own eyes that at least for some period, both the bills and the Bengals thought they were going to resume that game. To me, I think the answer is fairly straightforward because I've got personal experience with asking the NFL a specific question and then getting a general answer in response. So many times on fairly low stakes business things, I say, how are you going to handle this situation? And they give me an answer that is, this is how we handle those situations as a general rule. And I think, but you didn't answer my question. Right. I am I am nearly certain that what happened was ESPN was told by somebody, generally speaking, after extended injury delay, we give everyone a five minute warm up period and then we go back to action. And whoever said that either was unauthorized or unpermitted or unthoughtful enough to realize that this was a special situation. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and while that conversation was going on, Troy Vincent and other people were actually managing the real crisis in front of them and ultimately sort of were told by the players or however they came together that they were not going to restart that game. 
yeah, I, I think the timeline is pretty apparent. I'm not sure why they just don't say that, as you said. But what I find really also interesting about the Don Van Nata piece is it wasn't just, um, you know, refuting the NFL's timeline about last Monday night. It really went in on Troy Vincent with an unnamed team source saying that Troy Vincent screws all of this bleep up and basically saying, I don't have the direct quote, that, 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 but that he's in over his head as executive vice president. Um, and I just think, you know, ESPN gets a lot of criticism, some of it right, you know, some of it rightful criticism, some of it wrong criticism, but I do give them a lot of credit for being the only rights holder that will dig into the NFL when appropriate, whether it's the commanders and Daniel Snyder years ago, we know the concussion uh, stories they were publishing and pursuing and Jimmy right. Pataro, even one of his first acts of president, right, was to repair this relationship with the NFL. So I do think it's pretty cool that ESPN, for all of its massive conflicts of interest, and they certainly exist, still has enough of that journalism wall where they will publish this in-depth investigative piece, whereas CBS, which has a robust news division as well, obviously, uh, I don't think they would touch something like this on 60 Minutes, for example. So I give ESPN a lot of credit with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess I'm a little reluctant to compare using hypotheticals because this was ESPN's broadcast. That's true. But, um, yeah. but I think I think it's a fair point. They they went hard on this one. I think, you know, they went hard in part because they were upset about the NFL denying the plain facts here, um, I think. But, you know, Don Van Atta does what he wants, to be clear. Him and Seth Weckersham are not going to be told by anybody to not pursue a good story. So I think that's the ESPN's giving extraordinary credit. I agree with you there. You know, And, you know, and even taking a step back, let's widen the lens out from the NFL, which always has, like, everyone's attention on it for these sorts of conflicts and rights holder conflicts. But let's, let's take a step back to sports media in general. If you were to put together a, a clips reel of the 15 most critical minutes that Fox sports broadcast about the government of Qatar and the world cup, it would have been much less damning than ESPN's one report about this five minute question, the night of DeMar Hamlin's injury. Right. I mean, in a month of world right. coverage coverage, Fox didn't come close yeah. to holding up their their business partner or FIFA or Cutter or anybody right. to the criticism and, and thoughtful analysis that ESPN and did on that one story. And so it's yeah, it's it's extraordinary actually that they went that hard in the NFL in that situation. It is and, and Fox, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I was just gonna say it just sort of it furthers this sense of uh, a loose end to this story. Because I still am dying to know, like, who in the NFL decided to double down on this? Was that right. was that Troy Vincent himself? Right. Because right. I feel like communications, classic strategic communications advice would be like, let that go. You know, it's not the big thing. We're having a good week. Our emergency action plans are being credited with saving this man's life. We're getting good headlines. Let's not pick a fight we're probably going to lose because it sure looks like we're lying. Right. Yeah. You wonder, is Troy Vincent going rogue? I mean, Goodell does not manage himself like this. So. Right. It's, it's... Right. And and by the way, another point, you get me wound up on this because just that hour after Hamlin went down was so vivid. The point Buck made in the article that we were telling everybody repeatedly that they were going to come back to play. Nobody from the NFL called us again. I understand that the lion's share of the energy in that environment had to be on Hamlin himself. Surely there were NFL communications employees watching that game. Any one of them could have called somebody at ESPN and said, whoa, whoa, you guys are way off here. We're not restarting this game. And the fact they didn't, even after the decision had been made, you know, it's just, it's still not a completely told story in a certain way. 
No, it's not. We got to get Don Van Natta for the follow-up. Or maybe Ben Fisher for the follow-up. How about that, Ben? I'll Let's get working go. on it. 